Welcome back to Mile High Magazine. Hope you're having a great weekend, a great Sunday. I am Murphy Houston, and we always have some very interesting guests when we uh, talk about things going around the world today, stuff that you should know about, and today is no exception. Joining us for music and memory is Connie Tomeno on the board of directors. Connie, how are you? Great. Thanks for having me here. Well, we're glad to have you here, and I know a bit about music and memory, but there might be many that don't. So let's talk about what is Music and Memory and how you got started. Sure. Well, Music and Memory came out of um, years of of research and and work, uh, noting that people with Alzheimer's disease, especially end stages of dementia, still responded very well to songs um, that were personally important to them. And, you know, I've been a, a music therapist for 42 years and worked with Dan Cohen, who was the original founder of Music and Memory, uh, to develop a way that these personalized playlists could be made available to family members, agencies, um, to benefit those people with memory loss. And so Music and Memory was created with the purpose to make personalized playlists available to MP3 players and to train the staff of institutions all around the country to be able to use these programs effectively. Well, you say music from their past. Is it like music when they were in high school or music uh, earlier on in their lives? Maybe music uh, that their spouse liked. Is that the kind of music we're talking about? Well, you know, the research, there's been quite a bit of research about um, the type of music that people tend to remember the best and respond to most positively. And that seems to be songs from their late teens, teenage years to early 20s. And even even when 30, 40, 50 years go by, somehow those, those songs seem to um, stay with us. And, and the reason is because people at that age are still developing their sense of self and sense of community and uh, transitional parts of their life start to take place. And so those songs tend to hold a lot of emotional content. And the brain, interestingly enough, um, records and holds on to information that has strong personal importance and strong emotional content. And so even when people with neurocognitive deficits like Alzheimer's disease start to lose their memory, um, they still recall or so when you sing the words to those songs. So when you play these songs, and it's for somebody in, with Alzheimer's or late stage dementia or something, is it like they have no problems at all? They're like perfectly normal, like they were when they were younger. You know, it, I can't say that they're perfect, perfectly the same. Obviously, um, they're still going to have the kind of cognitive deficits, you know, that they that they have with the disease. But they respond in a way that looks as if they have full memory of that music. So what we see is an arousal or a recognition that their eyes um, open up, they start to sing. For people in the early stages of dementia, they may actually start talking about the song or talk about uh, memories related to the song. Um, and and sometimes what we do is we try to connect 
music of personal importance to individuals in their family so they can keep that connection of who that person is with the music that they associated with them. That, that's pretty incredible. And actually, I've seen a video about how this works, a video with, uh, I believe it was Henry, and how he was... That's right. Yeah, it's it's amazing what the music... Had, he was dancing and singing, and, and he had Alzheimer's, and a pretty late-stage Alzheimer's. So how often can you do this, Connie? Can you do it every day for the person in your life that likes this music? Or and then how long does it last once you do the music? Sure. You know, it, it, should, it, it is something that could be done and should be done every day, especially for people who seem to be really disconnected from the world around them because of Alzheimer's disease. It shouldn't be done 24-7, obviously, because the brain does sort of shut off when, when things become um, sort of uh, overexposed, when they have overexposure to something. Uh, so periodically throughout the day, uh, it could be very well used for um, people when they have agitation or seem restless. It seems to have a really good uh, calming down effect. There is um, something that people should be aware of, though, uh, because music has such strong personal connections for us. Music can have a, a negative effect, too, because we can associate bad events in our lives with music that is uh, connected to that event. So it could be a, a bad relationship. It could be a loss of a child any of those things. And so people have to be really conscious um, and observant of songs that they may think would be um, important to that individual, but observe for any negative responses because those could be, um, could shut somebody down, literally, if it has a negative response. Yeah, that's kind of a risk. I never thought about that because sometimes music does bring back bad memories as well as good memories. Absolutely. So once you play the music and, you know, you play it for a while, then you turn it off, how long does the positive effect last on the person? Sure. Well, you know, initially um, there's uh, an arousal that happens that has a carryover to how alert the person is, and that, that lasts for some time after they listen to the music, so maybe a half an hour, an hour, something like that. But... Um, the consistent, if you engage the person, not just leave them with the headphones, but while they're listening to the music, interact with them, or after the music, talk to them and engage with them, ask them questions or, or dance or do something with them. Um, and if that's done every day, what you see is that the person remains alert maybe more often each day. Their mood and behavior may change over time if they tended to be agitated and restless. So those types of things do carry over. Any kind of um, stimulation that increases attention and arousal will have uh, a carryover effect. Well, that's good news for sure. And if you could do a little bit of that every day, it would be positive. Now, are you working a lot with nursing homes, I would imagine? Right. Well, that's primarily where the program is um, focused, is on training staff and um, care, caregivers within skilled nursing environments and assisted living. And I think there's plans to do some on uh, individual cases too, but right now the program for training is really geared, geared toward the staff of, of institutions. So people 
living in those institutions can benefit. So what impact has COVID-19 had then? And on nursing homes, they're struggling with COVID-19 all over the country. And does this have an effect on what they can do with music and memory? Sure. Well, actually, um, there has uh, music and memory and virtual programs have been the lifeline uh, to connect with people in institutions. Um, people, any anyone who has a, a family member in the nursing home knows that since March, um, basically residents have been isolated in their rooms, and, and I'm sure this is the case in in most states. I'm in New York. Um, So residents are isolated in their room, and the recreation worker or the nurse um, will go into the room or stand by the door or whatever to try to engage that resident so they're not totally isolated. Having programs like Music and Memory available or virtual programs provided through a digital device like an iPad or tablet um, allows that, that resident to be able to connect with something outside and, and it leaves some of that isolation. Well, that's a really good idea because you're hearing uh, the situations in nursing homes now is not so much the fact they might get the COVID-19, it's the loneliness factor and they can't see their Absolutely. loved ones. So this is a great way to connect almost with your loved ones, correct? That is correct. Well, that's a and gr- that's, that's the only way people have been able to connect is virtually um, so, well, by the way, we're talking with Connie Tomeno, Board of Directors, Music and Memory. If there are folks listening right now that work in nursing homes and maybe they're not even familiar with Music and Memory, and you're, we're hearing you say this is a great way for those in the nursing homes or assisted living communities to reach out to loved ones through music, do they have to be specially trained or they just turn on some music and that these people might know and it helps? Yeah, for fa- for family members, um, there are some guidelines and that they can use. Uh, we do provide some direct support to people who are interested in how to do it better. Um, I should mention that I'm a, a board certified music therapist, and music and memory has been um, planned from you know the best practices in, in music therapy. You know how music affects people and and why and how we can use it to benefit. So uh, family members can check with Music and Memory Online for some ideas and and tips on how to best use music with their loved one. Um, They can also also check and see if there's a music therapist in their area that can provide individual consultation on on how to plan uh, a a playlist or interact with their loved one in a meaningful way. Well, why don't you uh, please share the website? Sure. It's musicandmemory.org. Musicandmemory.org. That's easy enough to remember. And what will they find on that website? Uh, What people can do at home, what uh, people that work in nursing homes can do? You kind of answered that question, but maybe there's more information you can share? Sure. Um, There's research that's, you know, uh, publications available um, information about why music is beneficial. Um, There's uh, music and memory COVID resources uh, for 
care organizations. Um, Quite a bit of information. To places, yeah, I, I head and, and co-founded the Institute for Music and Neurological Function. There's a link to us. Uh, as well, if people want additional help, um, tons of information about music in the brain and uh, other benefits of the Music in Memory program. Well, Music in Memory is a nonprofit, correct? That is correct. So how do you get your funding? Do people just donate or do you get grants? How Indeed. does that work? Uh, everything. Um, the, the program uh, subsidizes training programs in institutions and is really um, ben, uh, benefits from the generosity of private donors as well as uh, private foundations and corporate giving. Uh, it's the way we're able to do our work to benefit so many people. So again, go to the uh, musicandmemory.org website, and it'll explain if people are out there now, and maybe some people that have actually been involved with Music and Memory can help keep you going by donating. That's exactly right. Most appreciated, too. Well, I'm sure it is, for sure. So what's in the future for Music and Memory? What direction are you headed? Trying to get it into more nursing homes and uh, assisted living facilities? Sure. That, as well as... um educating people on how to use tablets to provide the program, um, all kinds of staff training. Uh, there's been some great research that's been done that shows uh, the efficacy of the program to affect things like behavior, uh, changes in behavior, reduction of adverse behaviors of residents of nursing homes. So I think to continue to explore the efficacy and to look for uh, partners that can advance the mission as well. And again, some of that information may be there on the website musicandmemory.org. Is that correct? That's correct. And it's spelled out, musicandmemory. org. Well, Connie uh, Tomato, Board of Directors of Music and Memory, congratulations on what you're doing and helping people that are in these nursing homes that can't be with loved ones or at any time, even when the loved ones come back. This is really going to help their lives, isn't it? It is. Well, keep up the good. One thing that we could do, they stay connected. Stay connected. That's just what I was going to say. Well, Connie, thank you so much for uh, what you do with Music and Memory, and thank you for sharing that information on Mile High Magazine. We'll talk again soon. My pleasure. And you hang on. It's Murphy Houston, Mile High Magazine. Next up, our update with Dr. John Douglas of Tri-County Health and the COVID-19 situation here in Colorado, in particular, how you can get your vaccines. Coming up.